I'm Lori Hellman, an Indiana warrior mom who has navigated the autism world for 16 years and counting. My hope is to unite autism families by sharing experiences and taking a deep dive into this puzzling disorder. So thanks for joining me on Living the Sky Life, our autism journey. Today I had the opportunity to chat with my new friend, Rachel. Mutual friends of ours have been telling us for probably years now to connect and that we really need to share stories with one another. So what a perfect opportunity to discuss raising a child on the spectrum um, than on the podcast. So Rachel is a wife, a mom of three children, and a nurse. Her middle child, Frankie, is on the spectrum. We talk about um, having a minimally verbal child and the difficulties that come along with that and just parenting our other two children. Rachel also stresses the importance of trusting your gut uh, when getting a diagnosis or just any type of situation where your child obviously can't explain to you what they're going through, that you should go with your gut. So enjoy my conversation with Rachel. So I have the opportunity today to talk to my new friend, Rachel. We have um, several mutual friends and we've been talked about each other with all of those people. (laughs) Everyone has kept telling us throughout the years, we need to meet. You guys have got to connect. So finally we did. And I'm so glad that we did. So welcome to the podcast, Rachel. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, as with many of the podcast episodes I've already done, I always like for um, the families to share their diagnosis journey and when you kind of noticed or were told that there might be some issues and, and possibly autism um, as, the, as the diagnosis for your son, Frankie. So do you want to share that yes. with us? Sure. So um, Frankie is um, my middle child, my only boy, and um, he is 18 months younger than his older sister, Olivia. And so I had just went through all of, uh, you know, the normal uh, process of, you know, growing up and everything. And when he was about eight to 10 months old. I noticed small things, you know, he would not follow simple commands. You know, you can tell a baby, you know, pick up the ball, throw me the ball or, you know, get your passy or something like that. And, you know, they would, they know basic commands and would follow them. And he never would do that. And, he never really played with toys very much and um, he wouldn't wave bye-bye to people. Um, He did, however, have some, you know, some eye contact and he interacted with his sister, but it was just, I noticed little things, you know, before he was even a year old. And, you know, when you, when you had just went through all these stages with your first child, you know, I was thinking something's not quite right, but um, you try to rationalize it. And um, I kind of shared some of my um, concerns um, with my husband and with my my parents. And, um, you know, I got the answers. Oh, he's a boy. Boys develop slower than girls. And. Olivia was always kind of ahead of the curve and, um, you know, everything's fine. And so I kind of suppressed those, you know, concerns and uh, worries for a little while because, you know, maybe I was overreacting. Maybe, maybe I was just, you know, reading too much into things. And um, when he turned a year old, um, I put him in a, a mom's day out program and uh, my daughter into a preschool uh, at a church down the street. And one of the teachers that was in his classroom, after a few months of maybe about two months of being there, um, she, she pulled me aside one day and just, uh, she was a social worker uh, before she 
worked at the preschool and had worked uh, with the First Steps Early Intervention Program here in Kentucky. And um, she just um, said, you know, I think that Frankie has a few delays and uh, maybe you should have him evaluated by First Steps. And of course, I really didn't even know what First Steps was. Uh-huh. And yeah. so, yeah, and, and so all I needed was someone else to notice it, someone that wasn't uh, family, someone uh, almost an outsider mm-hmm. to say, you know, we see, uh, I see something and, um, you know, I was, I'm forever grateful to her because for that, that's all it took for me. And basically, um, you know, within the, the next day, I uh, contacted First Steps and started the process of having, um, you know, evaluations done to see where the delays were. And at this point, he was at about 16, 14 to 16 months old, I would say. Um, and that's kind of how our story got started. Didn't you tell me that he had, you know, several words too, which was a different experience he, than a lot of people I've talked to who their kids were nonverbal and that was another sign that something was up. So, yes. So he did um, start to, uh, communicate a little bit at probably about 10 months old, 11 months old, he would count. Um, he loved to count to 10 and, uh, you know, we thought it was so cute. He would, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, And he was, he would jump around and, um, and then, um, he would use, you know, now what I know is rope communication. Um, he would say phrases like ready, set, go. And, um, and he would say, hi, dad. Um, and it wasn't like, a, it wasn't something that was like one day he spoke and the next day he didn't. Mm-hmm. Eventually over time, even though we were getting uh, speech intervention and everything else, he just kind of lost um, his verbal communication. Um, so yes, he did have some words. And so, and that was one reason maybe why I put off, um, you know, um, any uh, early intervention sooner because I thought, well, you know, he's saying a few things and everything, but um, eventually that just kind of stopped. Um, and, you know, it was, I, two of my best friends were pregnant at the same time I was with him. And so um, they're all three of our uh, kids are really close in age. And when he was, um, when we would be, uh, you know, around each other and our kids would be together playing, um, Frankie, it was almost like he didn't know what to do. He didn't know how to interact. He didn't um, know you know, how to appropriately play. Um, it was just like, he was just overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And um, at home in our normal setting with his sister, um, he did interact with her to some extent. But when you would take him out of his normal environment, um, you know, it was very apparent to me that there was something not right. Do you think, you know, um, being that you are an ICU nurse and your husband is um, a physician, um, a specialist actually in the ICU, do you think that that it, people would think, I guess, that because of your medical training that you guys might have noticed it? And, and even if, if there wasn't something, it's just the slightest little thing you guys would have, you know, noticed it and, and try to get as much intervention as possible. But with your husband's reaction and some of your family reaction, did you even feel like you kind of tossed your medical training aside because it wasn't really relevant to the situation with autism, you know, what you deal with in the ICU? Yeah. Well, funny thing is, is that in nursing school and in medical school, they don't really talk a whole lot about autism. Um, uh-huh, I can tell that. you that <laughs> I, I can tell you that in nursing school, um, which it's been almost twenty years ago, um, you know, there might have been a couple chapters, um, or I mean, a couple paragraphs in um, a book on mental health nursing about autism. It is not something that um 
it was talked about much. It wasn't something that we learned about. Um, and so, and the same really for my husband too. Um, and so we're used to, um, you know, when our patients have problems and they come in with chest pain or um, they, you know, they're diagnosed with a certain disease and everything else, there's a set plan. Um, you know, you do this, this, and this, and uh, to receive the best desired outcome. And, you know, with autism, I'm sure you know this, Lori, there is no set plan. There is no, um, you can go to 10 different doctors and they will tell you 10 different things. And so it's really hard for both of us um, with our, our professions and what we do. We're fixers. We, yep. we notice the problem and uh, we follow the steps to treat it. And yes, sometimes there's complications along the way, but you have a plan. And with autism, it takes years. And sometimes you never find the appropriate plan. Right. And so that's hard for uh, both of us, um, you know, in our professional uh, training to, um, it, it's hard to grasp, you know, not having a certain plan. Um, and then just throw all that out. You're the parents, you're the mom and you're the dad. Yeah. And um, when it's your child and there's something wrong with your child and you don't know what to do to help them and you, you don't know where to turn um, you know, it's, it's terrifying and you, you know, you look, you read every book you can, you, um, you get into every organization that you can and you look and try to find the best professionals around and even doing all those things, you know, you might try 10 different things before you find something that even remotely works for you and your family. So it, it it can be frustrating at times. And so that was, that was a really hard thing. Um, you know, you would think that, you know, a doctor and a nurse, oh, they would know exactly what's wrong with their kid, but we didn't. And, um, you know, I kind of had uh, an inkling, you know, a few, a few months into after we had first steps, uh, you know, come and evaluate him and we saw, you know, all of the you know, that he was behind in all these separate areas and stuff. And so I, I think I kind of knew in my heart what it was, but I'd only known one kid ever on the spectrum before that. And so, um, you know, in my mind, I, I was hoping it was something else. Well, and, and it's hard too, because uh, when you, when you know someone, um, it, as they always say, uh, with all the autism world, when you know someone with autism, you literally just know someone with autism. They had, there is no comparison to the kids. No, so there's not. Cause no two kids too. are the same. <laughs> I mean, you can like, I, I get so irritated sometimes. Um, you know, you read these, uh, articles and, uh, on, of course, going down the online trail, it's just, it's a nightmare, yeah, but you, you read comments, you know, yes, you read comments all the time, you know, people like, oh, I would not change my children's autism for anything. It makes them so special and so unique. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm like, great, Karen, your kid knows all the dinosaurs <laughs> and, you know, can name every president. And that's awesome. But I have to give my kid three meds just so he'll sleep five hours a night, if that. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, um, while you're, you know, going to museums and your kid is, you know, quirky and cute and fun, my kid might have a meltdown in the parking lot and bang his head on the pavement and we have to take a trip to the emergency room where they then have to sedate him to give him stitches. And, you know, so... Um, Parents, or each kid is different, and each autism family's life is different from the next. And, um, you know, we do each other a disservice when we try to blanket all kids under a, a certain, um, you know, expectation or you should feel this way or you should feel that way. You're not in my home every day. You don't know the struggles that we have. You don't know um, our day-to-day -day life. And so what is, you know, 
what is easy for some people and and is not for others. And I think, yeah, so I think we also do each other a disservice when we speak in absolutes like, you know, your child definitely needs to be doing XYZ therapy or needs to see this specific physician because it completely cured, which is the taboo word, or it, oh, um, yeah. you know, completely changed the way that my child is, you know, they didn't have any words and now they speak in full sentences. And so I always felt like when Skylar was little, it, I'm a horrible mom if I don't seek out oh, that yeah. therapy program here in town or find that doctor and drive to whatever state offers it, you know, take him out of yes. school and do all these things. And if I don't try, and then our just our result has been everything I've tried doesn't have any impact on him. And it's not to say those programs don't work. They just don't work for us. And so then I feel not only horrible at the beginning because he didn't have those services at age two, but that I'm a failure yet again because we did all of that and it didn't work, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You, yeah. You feel defeated. And um, it's... It is a disservice when you, you tell somebody, well, you need to do this or you need to do that. Um, you know, I, I do think, um, you know, I've had several people contact me over the years, um, you know, where they think that their, you know, their child might be on the spectrum or if they should seek out services or things like that. You know, I, I'm always very adamant in follow your gut, you know, yes. it, it you know, um, the early intervention, the better, you know, and everything else. But once you get that diagnosis, you know, oh, bets are off. You have to find um, what is best for you. And you may never find it. But uh, judging other parents because they don't put their kid in a hyperbaric oxygen chamber or they <laughs> we uh, did it. Strip them of, <laughs> yeah yeah or strip them of all gluten or this or that you know i mean frankie lives on bread and french fries and chicken nuggets half the time you know and i'm just like listen i'm doing the best i can yeah. and uh, you know, we tried the gluten front thing. I bought two toasters. Um, you know, I did, <laughs> I got the special bread from Whole Foods yep. and you know, it, it didn't work and I'm glad it worked for you, but it didn't for me. And yeah. you know what, the next thing might, but I'm not going to, um, sit here and be, berate you and, um, make you feel terrible because you're not going to take out a second mortgage on your home to take a kid, your kid to California to, um, you know, some quack doctor that's selling, <laughs> you know, some, uh, you know, juju that, you're, you know, is going to make your kid better. And, mm -hmm. and there are times and places and there are experts all across the country. And if you want to take your kid and if you are able to do that and receive that intervention, that's great. But you know, um, there's a, a certain percentage of people, I think, that prey on families like ours that have Absolutely. kids with special needs. And, and it's, um, it's really sad because we, we, we want so bad to, to make, you know, I don't want to say we want to fix our child because I love Frankie. I don't think Frankie is broken. Um, but if I could make his life easier, yeah. if I could make my girl's life easier, if I could make my life easier, yes, for sure. you know, um, I would in a heartbeat, yeah. um, but th there are no guarantees of anything. And, you know, the only thing that we can hope is that in the years to come, that there's uh, enough money poured into research and everything else that maybe someday you know, maybe our children will benefit from it, but, but someday there, there will be something to help all kids on the spectrum. Yeah. And you know, catch it, some kind of, pregnancy, you know, that, that you'll be able to just like you test yeah. for a million other things, they'll be able to test and find out if your child you know, is carrying the autism gene, whatever it is. Um, yeah. I know most people now say that it's, um, it's an autoimmune brain disorder um, that it's completely um, engrossed in, in the brain and, and the way that your brain functions. So, I mean, surely they've done enough research over the years to know what it's not. And, you know, they can hopefully make yeah. strides to know exactly, to pinpoint exactly where it is, um, you know, what you would how think, it gets uh, into them. 
yeah, you would think that eventually they will, um, they will find something. And, um, you know, I hear all these, you, you see things come out in the news all the time. Oh, well, if you were overweight when you were pregnant, or if you had gestational diabetes, or, you know, all these different things, and you're like, damn, I was all of those, you know, and then you feel <laughs> guilty. <laughs> because you're like, well, I was fat and I had, I was, I had gestational diabetes and it's my fault. My kid has autism. You yeah. Know? But there's I mean, as many you, parents as, as experienced that, like you, there's a whole other uh, set that had no, no complications whatsoever. Nothing was abnormal. There's yeah. No rhyme but you beat your, yeah. You beat yourself up. And then mm-hmm. of course your, your friends and your family, they all mean well, but they're like, Oh, there's a special on TV tonight on autism, you've got to watch it. And, <laughs> yeah, I live you know, it daily. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I turn it on and I'm like, yeah, I, I, I dealt with that shit earlier today. I know all about it, but, but you know, they want you, they want you to, you know, try to, uh, it, it, they're sincere and hoping that maybe you can hear something that will help you or right, right. you'll see this, you know, world renowned doctor on TV. That's going to make your kid better. And my goodness, I, I hope that that happens, but it, you know, every day there, you, you hear all of these new things and, you know, all I know is, is that I'm just trying to make it to the next day. And, um, I, I'm just trying to get everybody bathed and fed and, <laughs> um, you know, to practice into therapy into, you know, all these different things. And, um, and then, you know, when you finally get them all asleep at night, you sit down and, and, you know, the last thing you want to do sometimes is, you know, read up on the latest autism, you know, information. Sometimes you just want to sit and, you know, look at your I husband from autism. across the room. <laughs> yeah. Not think about it. You know, I mean, and it, you know, you know, as sad as that sounds, life's hard and, and we live it 24 seven. And sometimes you just like to turn the button off just for a little bit, you know, for that limited amount of sleep that you're probably going to (laughs) get. Yeah. Every minute that you're sitting there flipping through your Facebook feed, like I need to be in bed uh, (laughs) because you know, you know, the night that you stay up till like one o'clock doing your online Christmas shopping, that you go to lay down and get in bed and then Frankie's going to be up at two 30 yeah. or you have a kid or, or the toddler wakes up puking at three, you know, I mean, it uh, just, it never fails. Yeah. It never fails. Much- Those things always happen. <laughs> so Frankie is 10 now, right? Yes. He is. He uh, is almost 10 and a half actually. Yeah. So, and I know he um, attends an ABA program um, throughout the day. This the program that my son actually attended for a long, long time. Um, yeah. So what is, what is Frankie like today? Um, you know, fast forward from diagnosis to now, is he verbal? Is he, um, you know, cognitively progressing or just kind of where, where is his status today? So I have seen, um, so Frankie actually first started out after diagnosis, um, you know, after, you know, you have a psychologist sitting in your living room telling you that your kid has autism, you know, um, I laid on the floor in my bathroom and I cried for, I don't know how long. Um, and I got up and I, it was like, I, I dusted myself off and, I kind of hit the ground running and I really haven't stopped much since. Um, I, um, we found a program um, here um, actually in Anchorage in Louisville. um, And it was a, uh, an interventional preschool called Carriage House. And so Frankie started there um, in a play group um, before his second birthday. And um, he eventually, uh, we, started in um, the Endeavor program there, which is like a, um, a, a specific program for toddlers on the autism spectrum and preschoolers on the autism spectrum. Um, and um, Kiritas is a great facility. Um, it, was the, it was where Frankie needed to be. And um, we were there um, until he aged out. 
Um, he was like five and a half, almost six when he aged out um, at kindergarten age, basically. And so <clears throat> after that, my um, my sister-in-law um, actually sat on the board for BCA, Bluegrass Center for Autism. Um, she, um, she had been telling me about the school and uh, encouraged me to check it out. And um, I did, and I we checked out other schools here in town um, because at that point we knew that public school was not, he was not appropriate for public school. Um, you know, we're nonverbal, um, not potty trained. Um, and to be honest, I would worry every day about my child. Um, I would not, you know, our our oldest goes to public school. I think public school is a great thing, um, but it's just it wasn't right for him. Right. Um, when you have a kid, when you have a kid that can't tell you, you know, um, if someone's being mean to them or um, things like that, I, I just feel um, he needed to be in a more uh, controlled environment and a more specific environment that met his needs. Um, and so after we looked into all the different places, um, we came back to BCA. Um, it was the best fit for him and for us. Um, it is, so when he started there, um, I've seen massive improvements in several areas. Um, he's still not verbal, but um, he has, learned how to communicate um, with using the iPad um, and he can he can put together basic sentences with the iPad um, he can use you know of course I, I'm sure everybody knows about pecs you know he can look at a picture and Frankie's very smart he knows what he wants he knows um, it, he knows what he wants to eat. He knows where, if he wants to go play, he, and, um, he is, uh, improving every day on, um, you know, nonverbal communication. And, um, so that's something that has grown leaps and bounds since we have been there. Um, also just his social interaction. Um, Frankie was always, it's so weird because a lot of kids on the spectrum are not very engaging or social or um, show love and affection. He's kind of uh, different in that he is the total opposite. I mean, if Frankie loves you, he will love you forever. Um, he knows his people. Um, he knows his family. You know, um, he has a very close, special relationship with my parents especially my dad. And, um, you know, Freaky feels the love that my dad has towards him, but he also reciprocates that love. He shows that love to my dad. You know, he kisses on him and hugs him and is just so happy to see him every time, you know, he walks in the door and he knows his people. He knows his aunts and his uncles and his cousins and his extended family. And so he's always been, uh, you know, social and loving and, and kind of outgoing in that aspect. But um, he's just improved those skills even more since being at BCA um, on, on being with other people and how to act appropriately, um, you know, around other people. And, you know, I, I remember the first time he waved, um, they sent me a video um, on the, my phone, you know, most parents get that at, you know, seven, eight months old. And Frankie was, you know, seven years old. And he was walking down the hallway at school and waving to his peers. And, and they sent me a video. And I remember I just, I cried. I, I just cried because for me, that was huge. You know, I saw my kid acknowledging someone else. And and saying hey, you know, waving, how are you, you know, and then and it was uh, it was wonderful. And so um, we still have a long way to go. But I have over the past, he's been there for five years now, and um, 
I've just seen him really grow in, in the past five years. And my hope is, is that that will continue over the next five years, you know, and would we just keep on adding to what we've already gained. And, you know, I try not to put a limit on my child. Um, you know, I think we have to have reasonable expectations. Um, I think too often, uh, you know, when he was first diagnosed, I, I was, you know, I always had hope, well, he's going to be one of the kids that talk, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, you're at 10 years old and, and we're still not talking. And, you know, I'm still waiting to hear mom. And um, I don't know if he'll ever say a word. But yep. if if he doesn't, but he can look at me and give me a hug and I just... I want him to reach his max potential, whatever that may be. So, um, you know, I just, I'm anxious to see what the future holds. I'm scared. Um, you know, you never know what's going to happen, but um, I know that we'll do everything in our power to make sure he's in the right place with the right people to give him the best chance. Absolutely. Did you tell me, so are, does he have specific behaviors that you guys are working on trying to curtail? Uh, I mean, like Skylar's oh, uh, banging and hitting um, walls, mainly himself, us, um, that kind I got of thing. A hole in my, <laughs> I got a hole in my bedroom wall right now. And yeah. it's not necessarily because Frankie was banging his head up against it. It was just because he decided he was going to lay on the bed one day and, and kick a hole in the wall. And he did. Um, and you know, it's like, why the heck fix it right now? Because as soon as we fix it, it'll happen again. Um, but no, there are, I mean, there's behaviors all the time that I would love to change. Um, and that we are working towards, um, you know, part of the struggle is getting, getting good staff and, having a, a good behaviorist and everything else. And you could go through five people before or 10 people before you find somebody that, that fits with you and has a, a program that you feel um, it can help your kid and benefit your child. And so we are lucky. We're about seven weeks in uh, right now with a, with a new behaviorist and um, Frankie is, really doing well um and it's been a um i mean it's hard for all of us i mean not only are you going in and changing things with your child and and behaviors that you're trying to change with them but you have to change your behaviors yourself too and um i mean you have to it, it puts everybody in the house in an uproar for the first few weeks and um you know it's um, right now, for instance, we're working on using our utensils to eat correctly. Okay. Um, you know, Frankie wants to shove it all in with his hands. He doesn't want to take the. It's not that he doesn't know how to use a fork or a spoon. Um, it's that he doesn't want to take the time to do it. And so um, sitting with your child, doing hand over hand with a fork, with a spoon, with every. And if they. You know, and if he grabs the food with his hand, we go to the sink, we have to wash our hands, then we come back, then we pick up where we left off. And, you know, it might take a half an hour to eat. And I've got a three-year-old running around and I have a, you know, uh, a middle school girl, you know, that needs to get back and forth to cheer practice and all those things that um, moms have to do every day. And now, you know, we're adding on a new behavior plan, but it's a lot of hard work for him and for us, but, you know, we're doing the hard work now so that later things will be easier. So, you know, this, the eating part, um, Frankie likes to streak sometimes, take his clothes off, you know, <laughs> oh, so <no. laughs> we have a streaker. He doesn't do it in public because he knows he's very smart. Um, but at home, you know, um, he's much better about it than he used to be. But, you know, I, I would be out, you know, in the kitchen and he would come in from the bedroom and, you know, he would be naked. And, 
You know, it's cute when you're four, but when you're 10, it's not. And so we're working on things like that. Uh, potty training is constantly um, a thing that we're working on. Um, he knows exactly what the potty is for. He knows how to use it, but it doesn't always mean that he will. Um, you know, uh, one of the biggest things I can tell people that has a kid on the spectrum when they're little, if you can rip up all the carpet in your house and lay wood floors, please do so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, we have carpet in our house and we replaced it and I can't wait till we can replace, you know, have all wood floors, you know, I mean, it's just, uh, and some of it's just behaviors. Some of it I used to think was, well, he doesn't know how to go to the bathroom. And, but now he does. Um, it's just that he might not feel like it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's frustrating. It's frustrating for me. It's um, frustrating for everybody in the house. Um, so potty training is something that we're constantly working on. And, we're on a pretty good streak right now. He's doing pretty good. Um, we pee the bed every night though. I mean, I know you and I talked about this. I wash sheets <laughs> every single day. I yep. wash mattress protectors, sheets it, every night. We have new, it, it's, I mean, we're more high class than the Hilton around here because we have fresh sheets and comforters and everything every yep. night. It's funny. Um, my husband told and, me this morning that Skylar didn't, I had to leave early. And um, so he got him up and got him ready for school. And he said, I mean, this is our communication that we end up with most of the day, every day. It's always about Skylar or bathroom habits or something. So I walked in the house this morning and he oh, said, yeah. you're not going to believe it. It was dry as a bone this morning. It, no pee on anything. And I'm like, what? I mean, then we spent you know, 15 um, minutes talking about that. Like just the miracle that was a dry bed this morning. <laughs> So, yeah, that's how we yeah. Start our day. I mean, if you wake up, if you wake up and you don't have to wash sheets that day, I mean, it's a good day. It's you like might a whole another well half an hour. Of my life. I got uh, at least a half an hour. I mean, you might as well go buy a lottery ticket because, I mean, that's a good day. <laughs> you might, you know, you might get really lucky. But um, so those those things, you know, just every day. Um, activity what we call a nursing activities of daily living mm-hmm. um you know we are just working on mastering and improving what we don't know um and it's uh you know having people in your house having you know i mean we have behaviorists and cls workers and things like that it i mean it gets old sometimes i i mean now, one of our workers, she has become like family to us. Um, you know, she, um, my kids just think that she, her name's Quita and they, they think she's just part of the family and she is. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's been with us for five years. And next wow, that's, to my immediate, that's rare <laughs> to have yes, someone that long. Yes. Yes. Next to my immediate family. I mean, I trust her with my kids more than anyone. Um, but we really lucked out. Um, we have went through, uh, she had left, she left for a short period of time and, and came back to us. Um, but while she was gone, we went through four people in like five months. Um, you know, Frankie, Frankie bit someone, um, you know, he doesn't bite very often, but sometimes he does. And, um, you know, that's, that's not uncommon for kids on the autism spectrum, but you know, they send people to your home. You know, you're at the mercy of whoever, uh, the agencies will send you, you know, it's not like you can sit and look and cherry pick who you want. And, um, and it's a hard job. They don't pay much, you know, and, and people, you know, people really have to either like what they do or they need the money one or the other. And so you never know what's going to walk through the door. And, um, so having having people in your home all the time, it, it it sometimes gets old, but that's kind of normal for us anymore. And so, my, I mean, my girls, they just it, it's normal for them to have you know three different people in the house, you know, five days a week. Um, but for you know, I used to, before people would come, I would try to run the vacuum cleaner and, 
clean up my kitchen and do all these types of things. And now I'm just like, what you see is what you get, you know? <laughs> but. Well, so on the other side, I guess, of things, what does Frankie really enjoy? I know you mentioned he loves going to your parents' farm and being oh, out yeah. there. And I think that's great because I, I don't know that Skylar would interact much with the farm other than um picking up grass and putting it in his mouth or mulch or <laughs> that's <laughs> well, the kind of things still, he likes to do we still do that too um frankie actually got into some silicone caulking that my dad had oh. in his old and his old truck uh the other day and uh, he ate a little bit and the rest of it ended up in his hair and everything else and we're just gonna have to buzz his head but um, we we like he likes to eat inappropriate things quite a bit of the time but um so uh, I say farm but my parents have um you know about 80 acres um out in the country in southern Indiana okay. and that's where I grew up and um it's he had they have no neighbors they have no uh I, I mean it's it's woods and it's a big huge yard and they have the I mean I we live in a nice area and a nice neighborhood, but we don't have a yard hardly at uh -huh. all. And, you know, Frankie loves to be outside. That's, that's his thing, um, being outside. And um, so, I mean, he has his trampoline there, but I, all of my kids love going there. And, and um, he loves to ride. My dad has one of the, those UTVs where they have the, you know, the double seats in them and things like that. And they will, they go ride in the woods and they they go for rides in the truck and they go play in the creek. And, um, you know, I think he would live out there if I would let him. <laughs> um, that's just his safe place. That's where, um, other than being with my husband and I, that's where he wants to be. And um, so he loves going out there. Another thing that Frankie absolutely loves to do, um, he loves the water. He loves to swim. And, um, and it's very common for kids on the spectrum um, to be uh, attracted to water. And we knew very early on that that was one thing that was very uh, enticing to him. And so I made it my mission to teach that child how to swim because I was terrified that he would, you know, he could drown and get away from me. And um, so we, we worked really hard on teaching him to swim. And that boy is like a fish. I mean, he just, we go to the Y um, in the winter. Um, my aunt and uncle have a great pool that we use in the summer. And um, so, I mean, what and he loves to play like in fountains splash playgrounds water hoses i mean my dad um has like three different water hoses for frankie and i mean the beginning of april pretty much starts water hose season for frankie and it can go up <laughs> and i mean it can go all the way up through october i mean it depends on how warm it stays and how long dad wants to keep the hoses out um, and he's my parents always laugh they're like yeah our it's uh, our water bill will double you know for the next couple months but they're okay <laughs> with it but um so he loves the water anything being around the water he's really we should really live like in Florida or somewhere where it's warm year round, where he could swim year round. I mean, he loves the beach. He, um, you know, those are just, those are, those are his things. He, he likes basketball. Um, you know, he really can't shoot, but he can dribble and he loves to, you know, we go to the playground a lot. He takes the basketball and he, he'll dribble the ball and he, he really enjoys it and um it's our hope that we're going to be able to get him involved uh in special olympics soon maybe on basketball or swimming that's cool um and try to find something you know um that he can participate in you know i get i get to go watch my daughter competitively cheer and I get to cheer her on and get excited about her competitions and nervous and all those things you know that a normal parent does and I I'm looking forward to being able to have those experiences with Frankie yeah. um finding you know trying to find things that he can do and 
um, you know, I think that's one of the things, oh, I don't know an easy way to put this, and people will probably think I'm terrible for saying it, but Speak when you truth. have this, <laughs> it's well, okay. when your child is born, when you have a baby, you know, maybe it's just me, um, but I think every parent, you know, you look at that baby and you just, you're like, oh, they're good, you know. Or you make plans. You, you you do you make plans you have these dreams you know of spending the summers in, uh, at the ballpark playing little league and um going to uh you know going to disney world and is he going to grow up and be a doctor like his dad or is he going to be a pilot or um you know you just you can't wait can he be able to go hunt and fish with my dad and um so you have all these dreams and hopes yep. that you that you develop when they're that tiny, sweet little newborn, and they still smell so sweet and good, and and you have these hopes and dreams, and then and and you build on those, you know, for the first year or so of their lives, and then you get this blow, this devastating. It, for me, it's devastating because I knew when we received that diagnosis that our lives would change and it would not be what I had dreamed and what the hopes and dreams that I had, that I had like, um, you know, had in my mind for, for the, my whole life. You know, when you have a child, you, you want them to do better than you. You want them to have the world. And so you realize that your life is going to be drastically different than what you imagined. And, and, you know, um, even though you love that child and you're going to do everything you can to provide them a wonderful life, it hurts and it stings and you almost go through a grieving process. Um, Absolutely, you yeah. do go through it. Mm -hmm. You do go. I read a um, an article from a lady one time, and she she did compare it to a grieving process, and it is a grieving process. You grieve the child that you thought you had. Absolutely, and you grieve you grieve the the vacations you'll never be able to take. You grieve the life. Uh, you know you grieve the college graduation that you'll never have you grieve the the uh, little league ball tournaments that you'll never be able to do and the um and then you have to in your mind you have to change your expectations about your life you know that not only is it your life going to be different but the life of your children your other children will be different you know, sure. you, I mean, I commend you for bringing it up. Honestly, I mean, I can't imagine there's many parents out there with a child with special needs that have not had that those same thoughts and those same feelings. Yeah. I mean, and as your kids get older, I, I've said it before, it's it's very challenging when kids that grew up with your child and your friends <laughs> that you talked about yeah. um, that have kids the same age, they're all getting their driver's license. They're all going to prom. They're all getting engaged, going to college, you know, doing all of those things. And every single stage that they're doing without you as that comes up it, it's you start kind of the grieving process all over again at least that's you how do. I'm you feeling started. at 16. so yeah <laughs> you, you start it all over again and I don't think that that is something that will ever completely go away and oh, sure. I don't you know I I'm just being very open and raw in talking about it because um you know uh it's uh it's something that is very real and it, not to say like i said before i love my child i love him so much um but if i could make his life easier you know if we didn't have autism and if he could tell me when he was sick and where he hurt and why um you know, would I change it? Of course I would, in a heartbeat. If I could make 
life different for my girls, um, which my girls are wonderful. You know, um, my Livy, she is Frankie's mother hen. She she's his big sister by 18 months and she doesn't remember life without him. Mm-hmm. And autism has been something that has never not been a part of her life. And, you know, you worry uh, about your other children in, cause you know, it has an impact on them because absolutely they love, they love their brother and, and they'll go to fight for him. And, you know, it hurts them when, when they see someone making fun of their brother and, uh, and not only that, they have feelings too. They go through a grieving process because let's be honest, their lives are not like their peers. Mm-hmm. You know, they, um, you always have to have, go in two separate cars anywhere you go because you never know when your brother's going to have a meltdown. You know, you, um, you might not be able to, uh, mom and dad both might not be able to go to your parent teacher conference or to your, cheer competition because somebody has to stay with Frankie and you can't just pick up and go out to dinner on a weeknight, you know, um, because who, you know, it might be someplace that Frankie doesn't want to go and he might throw a fit in the middle of the rest restaurant or, um, just, and when you're working on a project for school and doing your homework and, I'm trying to help you and, you know, and then I hear Frankie, you know, turning on the bathtub and getting water everywhere and, you know, trying to eat the toothpaste and, you know, it's like <laughs> having a perpetual toddler, you yes, know, that you have to, to chase around and you can't possibly give them all of the attention that is needed. And so, um, would I want to make things easier for them? I would, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to be ashamed to say it. And, um, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm I'm not going to feel guilty for being honest about all of this because, you know, you can sugarcoat it all you want. There are people out there that, you know, may have the same feelings that we do and they're afraid to say it, but, I've always been very open about our journey with autism and, you know, I thank God every day for my Frankie. And Mm -hmm. I know that he, I know he has a plan much bigger than mine. And I have to trust that whatever that is, that it will unfold. And I know he loves me. I know he loves my family. Um, But Dang, it's hard some days. It is. And I think, you know, one of the one of the hopes I have with the podcast and just talking not obviously to autism families, but um and special needs families in general, but for people who are listening that don't have a child on the spectrum or don't have a special needs child, that they just get a little window into what our day to day is. I don't expect sympathy. Oh. I don't expect people to feel sorry for no. me or any of those things. I just want people to understand a little bit more about you know, just the challenges that we face. And, you know, when I have conversations like you're, you're saying, you know, just about grieving things and all of those things, the the biggest statement that is, is um, given to me from my friends without special needs children is I just can't even imagine. I just can't even imagine. I don't know how you do it. I, I couldn't do it. I don't know how you do it. And yeah. I know they could do it if they, if they were in the same situation, we're all yeah. stronger than we think we are. But at least uh-huh. uh, they understand, you know, a little bit more about just our life and the accommodations we have to make and at her dance competitions yes, or your daughter's more, cheer competition. Yeah, there's more and more parents that are that are faced with living our lives every day. Uh, I mean, the rates of autism uh, just continue to go up. And something that 10 years ago, I didn't know hardly anyone that had a child with autism. I know several now. Yeah. And, um, you know, so being open and letting people have a glimpse into our lives, however dirty and messy it could be sometimes, you know, um, we have to 
um, just be honest with everyone and yeah. share your journey, uh, you know, the good and the bad. Absolutely. There's definitely, the good. there's definitely good. I mean, I know just from talking to oh. you too, Skylar cracks us up so much and he's not even doing anything. Like obviously he's not saying anything, but certain things uh -huh. he does. I mean, just stupid, stupid things that my husband and I just crack up laughing. You know, if I'm getting him dressed and I, I don't even notice and I pull his pants up so high that it looks like a little old man whose pants are like underneath his chest uh, no, way too yeah. high and I didn't see it. And he's walking around and my husband's just dying laughing. And he's like, did you do that on purpose? I'm like, what? And he's like, look at his pants. <laughs> he just giggle. I mean, you have to find the humor in pretty much everything because if you don't, you would be miserable and sad and you know, angry. Absolutely. And I just don't want to live like that. I don't, I, you know, no, I don't, I don't want to live like that either. And, you know, Frankie is, Frankie is, he does have a sense of humor and he is, he's a lot of fun to be around. Um, he right now, you know, I have a three-year-old. She was a big oops and a surprise. And, um, so she, her name's Ellie and, uh, you know, I was terrified about having another child. We had always wanted more children, but we were afraid to because, number one, we were terrified of having another child that might have autism because, let's just face it, it's not easy. And we didn't know, you know, we were, you know, just, you never know. And mm -hmm. that was one thing that held us back from having another child. And another was we didn't feel like it was would be fair to Frankie or to Livy. Um, we were spread thin as at, at, at that time anyway. And, but God said, no, nope, I've got another plan for you. And he gave us Ellie and Ellie and for Ellie just turned three and she and Frankie, they are as thick as thieves. I mean, they love each other. They laugh and they play and they're kind of on um you know they like the same shows right now it's all about you know like the uh zoom zooms and the you know the mickey mouse clubhouse and mm -hmm. you know frankie doesn't watch a whole lot of tv but you know every once in a while he'll sit around and laugh at, he'll see something funny on the tv that you know she might be watching a show and he'll laugh at it um and they love to run and chase each other and play with each other. It's like having twins that are three, only one of them weighs 120 pounds and the other <laughs> one weighs 30. And, you know, I mean, they, they feed each other. They, you know, they, she takes him snacks that he's not supposed to have. I mean, it's just, um, they're so, uh, you know, to see them interact and to see the love that my girls have for him and the love that he has for them. Um, it's really been a, um, a blessing that we did not expect. And uh, I mean, I just, it, so there's, you know, it's not all doom and gloom every day. Yeah. Uh, people probably have listened to this podcast up to this point are thinking, man, this, these ladies are really dark, <laughs> but, but it's not. There are good days. There are good days. And, you know, if we have two or three good days in a row, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, on cloud nine, I'm skipping out the door because, you know, it might be followed by 10 bad ones. You, you never know. And so you just, you enjoy the good days when you have them. And yeah. um, they, uh, and my hope is eventually is that all in all, there'll be more good than bad. And, um, you know, when we can get there and, and stay there, then, then that's, you know, that's doing something. I think that's a perfect way to end. And I, um, you know, I, I think you're a phenomenal mother and I don't think you give yourself oh, enough you. credit. But um, it's a lot to manage three kids, you know, the, the middle one um, on the spectrum. And I think it's like you said, God had a plan for you and still has a plan for, for both of us and our kids. And, um, you know, I'm a firm believer that Skylar was given to us as a blessing to teach us something. We may never know in this lifetime what the lesson is. No. Um, and I hope to think that part of the lesson is patience because I am a very was a very impatient person. I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> I mean, he uh -huh. forces me to learn patience. Um, so I'm getting better with that, but I, 
I think there's little lessons to be learned every single day, every single behavior and, and all of those things. So, um, you know, you're to be commended for, for everything that you're doing and, and for being willing to be raw and come on the podcast and talk about the good and the bad oh, <laughs> of autism. Because so, it's definitely there. You. Yes. Thank you so much. And uh, I, I share your sentiment. Um, I, I am a believer that uh, my faith is the number one aspect of my life. Um, and I think that, um, you know, when I look at Frankie, uh, I just, I see the face of Jesus, you know, I mean, like Frankie doesn't know the bad in this world. He is kind and he is sweet. And, um, you know, I'm so happy that he doesn't know the bad in this world. And I believe that he was created in, in God's image. And so when I have bad days and when I get really down, I try to remind myself of that because there is nothing more pure than, than the love that that child gives. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's, that's how we make it through the hard days. And I just try to remind myself too that as frustrated and, and annoyed at times as I am, I can't imagine putting myself in his shoes in, in our case, oh. being 16 years old and never having uttered a word. He, he, I don't know that he no. can, I don't know that he can't, but I can't imagine how frustrated I would be if I could not communicate anything to Absolutely. anyone with any 100% clarity and they're guessing at what I want, what I need. And maybe I just want to be left alone and people are like all up in my grill, you know, <laughs> trying to figure out what yeah. it is that I want. And I don't want anything. I just want you to leave me alone. So, um, and it's, you know, you just try to. It's, yeah, it's absolutely uh, heart wrenching as a parent too, to know that your child is trying to tell you something or trying to communicate with you and they can't, you know, they can't tell you where they hurt. They, they can't tell you that they just want to be by themselves. You know, <laughs> there's nothing worse. Yeah. And, and that's um, probably the result of a lot of the behaviors that are bad because they're so yeah. mad and they're so frustrated and it's hard not to just see the behavior and get super mad and super annoyed <laughs> with your child. Yeah. Um, you know, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a work in process. We all are. And, um, all parents, whether you have special needs child or not, a special needs child or not, it's a, it's a difficult road to be a parent, to be any kind of oh, parent. Yeah. So <laughs> yes. we just have a little parenting. bit of different challenges, but <laughs> so. We do. Parenting is not for the faint of heart. So let me tell you, it, it will humble you and bring you down about 10 notches from like that first day in the hospital when your first mm -hmm. kid's born. And everything that you said you would never do, you do. And you said you'd never be that mom and target with a screaming kid. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm the mom and target with three screaming kids, you know. <laughs> but yep. it, it, we all eat our words for sure. Very but, humbling. You know, it's a very humbling process. It to be is the most, <laughs> it's the most humbling experience ever, really. So. Yes. Well, thank, well, thank you yeah, so much, Lori. Say the same to you. Thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time, and um, I'm just so glad we finally connected. And um, our friends are happy that we connected too. <laughs> yes, yes. So yes. I'm so lucky. <laughs> I have the I have these girlfriends, and they have been my friends since really, uh, some of them since before kindergarten. Yeah. And um, you know, I've known these girls for. 35 years even though I'm 29 and <laughs> but, no um it, they're my I, I have brothers and so um and I have wonderful sister-in-laws but um they're my chosen sisters and I've known these girls my entire life and um they they're my biggest cheerleaders and I couldn't make it through everything without them and they have been there from day one they listen to me cry they listen to me laugh they buy me margaritas i mean they're great and <laughs> sometimes that's everyone, all it takes <laughs> yes everyone needs everyone needs chosen sisters like i have for sure Aww. well shout out to them <laughs> yes 
Yes. They know who they are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks again, Rachel. I really appreciate it. And I hope you have a phenomenal rest of your day. All right. Thank you too, Lori. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and will tune in for the next episode in two weeks. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Living the Sky Life within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select that five-star rating, provide feedback or suggestions about topics you'd like to hear about, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.